Hey, I'm Tim. And I'm Drew. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In Season 2, Episode 6, we talk to Luke Italiano about the crossover between Christian artists and geeks. Welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands podcast. I'm your host, Tim Babbler, joined as always by my co-host, Drew Sonnenberg. Drew, how are things going for you? Pretty well. How about you, Tim? I- I'm doing well as well. You know, it's uh, been a good time and not too cold yet in Wisconsin, even though I hear that's supposed to be coming. But anyway, aside from that, Drew, recently you were a part of a writing project for Bed- Bread for Beggars. Is that right? Yeah. Back in, in December, Mark Parsons from Bread for Beggars kind of assembled a group of guys that he knew were kind of star wars nerds uh and said hey i had this idea for like a devotional series that would both lead through advent but also up until the release of the newest star wars movie um (laughs) so just kind of walking through all the different uh, ideas and philosophical thoughts from the the eight main star wars movies and then the ninth one once it came out and making connections to Christianity and to the the coming of Christ and things like that. And so we all kind of split it up behind the scenes about which movies we wanted to write about and all these different things. And it was a lot of fun. And one of the people you got to work with was the person we actually got to interview for this episode, Luca Italiano. How did you guys meet? So I actually don't know the majority of the guys at least I haven't met them in person, the majority of the guys that were writing for this. But we did have like a Facebook message, uh, like a group message going, which primarily was just a bunch of like 30 and 40 year old pastors and, and called workers just sharing Star Wars memes. Um, <laughs> but there was some good conversation and stuff as well. And Luke caught my attention when he brought up this idea that there's a lot of the Christian authors he knows are also uh, geeks or have some sort of geekdom that they are follower or are a fan of. Uh, and we'll we'll talk about this in a little more detail once we get Luke on here. Yeah, let's let's just go ahead and get right to that. Today we have the privilege of welcoming Luke Italiano to the podcast. Welcome, Luke. Hello. Luke, for our uh, listeners who may not be familiar with you or your work, could you please introduce yourself? Hi, I am a pastor that serves in Kentucky. I've been a lifelong geek, uh, a lifelong writer. Um, I write for Bread for Beggars. I've written for them for a while. I did a series on depression. I'm currently doing a series uh, called You Are Not. I did a series just storytelling uh, Bible accounts, just talking about the story from an adult perspective. And uh, I love telling stories. So that's me. Yeah, and Luke, you and I both got to write for Bread for Beggars as part of this Advent series they did that crossed over with Star Wars, and it was a lot of fun. And the the group <laughs> of us that was that were working on these had a, a Facebook chat going that was mostly just a, a bunch of memes. But you <laughs> you made a really good point in there that a lot of the Christian writers, you know, even most of them, happen to be geeks in some way or another. Why, why do you think that is? When we were talking online previous to setting up the podcast, I started thinking about this question. I think part of the answer is really simple. You know, I just hang out with people that have similar interests. I'm a geek. I love science fiction and fantasy. And so when I talk with other people that are writers, I just happen to know a lot of them. 
And I'll probably end up name dropping quite a few throughout the conversation here. Uh, But I think part of it, too, is we look at God's creation and we just see how marvelously creative he is. Uh, I think about a, a sunset and God could have put it up in eight colors, that every sunset would be eight colors. But that's not what God did. He, he set up that every night it's a different canvas with a different set of colors. And we look at that and it sparks the imagination. And we go, I wonder what else is out there. Uh, a few years ago for, uh, for an Easter sermon, I was talking about how do you know if God is good? And I said, you just, just breathe. And you could smell all the sense of all the, the food that was cooking downstairs for the potluck that was after the service. And I said, if you doubt God is good, God could have invented you with no taste buds. You'd have to eat and you'd be fine. But instead, God gave us the gift of taste buds that we can taste all these different things. And some people, you know, they prefer just your meat and potatoes. Some people like Indian food and Chinese food. And there's all these tastes. In my opinion, when you talk about science fiction and fantasy, you're getting out of the bread and potatoes of the same thing all the time. That's still good, but you're getting all of these different tastes as well. And so you get a wider variety of creation and you get to taste that. Yeah, I think that's that's a really fascinating idea. And as you were saying that, it made me wonder, some of the, the more well-known uh, fantasy authors and worlds like Lord of the Rings and the Chronicles of Narnia are also uh, written by Christian authors. Do you think there's something that the perspective of a Christian allows them to, to dream up these worlds in, in a way that connects with people in a different way? That's an interesting question. I think when you talk about Christianity, we have the ability to see the world as it is. Because we've got the truth. We've got the Bible, right? We can look and we can look at the world and see this is a marvelous world that has been broken by sin. That as good as the world is, there is still darkness here. And we don't have to apologize for it by by saying, well, it's not that bad or, oh, well, you know, we can fix it by doing this. We know that this world is only rescued by Jesus. And when we write stories then, what we create reflects that truth in a way that in many ways um, someone who is not Christian has to make apologies for. You know, in my world, it works this way. Whereas when C.S. Lewis creates a world, he's got that spark of truth in there that, look, here's Aslan who has come to save the world. When Tolkien creates a world, there is this reflection of truth because we're not afraid to look at the world the way it is. And so when we create something new, it has that reflection, even in a fantasy setting, in, in more concrete ways, that even though there is darkness, good will triumph. And not necessarily because of our efforts, but because God has rescued us. So thinking of those stories, and especially from the Christian perspective, we know these stories already been written. So in a way, isn't all of this predictable? Or how are we finding new things through these different types of writings or different styles? What an awesome question. Isn't it predictable? Um, There's a lot of Christian writing that is very predictable. There was a book I read a few years ago, um, Out of Darkness Rising. Oh, who wrote that? Uh, I'm going to be kicking myself. I don't remember who wrote that. And it was very much meant to be a a Narnian type story. It was very much uh, an analogy of here is 
the Savior come from God to rescue by dying and then rising again. And as I read the story, there was a lot of craft involved and a lot of creativity. And then the hero dies. And then three days later, the hero rises again. And as a Christian, I read that and go, well, duh, of course. But sometimes the surprise isn't in the story, but in how it's told or in the emotions that you didn't notice before. I notice when I'm telling, say, the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. It is one of my favorite accounts in the Bible, John 11. Absolute history. Please don't think I'm talking down to it by calling it a story. It's a narrative that really, really happened. But one of the things that I, I often point out when I'm talking through it is that when Martha shows up to talk to Jesus before he raises Lazarus, Martha goes, if you had been there, my brother wouldn't have died. And when I hear that, I hear anger. And Jesus just welcomes that anger in and loves Martha anyways. And when I'm talking about that with people who are grieving, it's like a light goes off that, oh, it's okay that I'm feeling this way. It's okay that I'm grieving. Many of them know that story. But by bringing in this new element that they may not have realized before, suddenly the whole thing becomes new. And so when you're talking fantasy and science fiction, because it's a different setting, sometimes you can put in or, or reveal different aspects that you never thought of before. I've heard this this idea repeated in a couple different areas, but it's the, the basic idea is that since mankind is created in the image of God, and God is a creator, that very naturally we also kind of have that urge or desire within us to create as well, whether that's a song or a story or doing the whole world building of someone like Tolkien. Do you, do you agree with this? Is, is this instilled in us by, by the image of God? I don't know if I would call it the image of God. Um, I, I look at the image of God and I say we are reflected, we, we were created to reflect him in emotion and in will and, and in intelligence, and then we lost that in the fall, and it is partially restored uh, when the Holy Spirit creates faith in us. If, it, if creativity was only the image of God, then we would not see that, I think, as prevalently, unless you're using a different uh, definition of the image of God. That said, I do think God created us with that desire to create. Once again, looking at the Bible, God could have said, yes, I created the world. And then there was this man named Abraham. And then, but but he didn't give us an outline. And he didn't just give us a book of rules or a book of doctrine. No, he didn't just hand over a catechism. First five books of the Bible, how much of that is narrative? large, large chunks of it. Certainly not all. There's songs in those first five books. There's plenty of laws. Looks at you know, the book of Leviticus. But God said, I want you to know me, and I want you to know me also by means of story. And so God created his word and used people to write it down. And to receive that, we also are wired to understand stories. Different people to different effect, I think. Not everyone runs that way. But we reflect that and say, you know what? We want to create as well. And that's how often we're known. Uh, if you want to know what a songwriter thinks, you look at their songs. I think about Andrew Peterson, and you get to know his heart when you listen to his music. Uh, another one of my favorite artists, Michael Card, you listen to his music and you know what he's thinking. If you've got a good writer, you read what they write. And you know what they're thinking. You read the, the Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, 
and you get to know him. You read uh, Mere Christianity, and you get to know him well. And so if you want to know God, you, you listen to the story he tells. You read the Bible. Yeah, it's an interesting idea of, of getting to know the author by the work. And I do think that's true, but I, I see a lot of people that try to mimic or reflect, as I kind of mentioned before. So my question, I guess, is this. What do you think it is specifically that draws people to those created worlds in that fantasy and sci-fi? Oh, what, what a good question. What draws people? I know for me, when I was young, I don't know what it was, but there were all of these cartoon shows when I was growing up that would do time travel stories. And the, there were always three parters. And part one was always the present, part two was the past, and part three was the future. Back to the Future got that kind of backwards, but you know, that, that's okay. And I remembered I hated part one. I was like, can we just get past this? Can we get to the good stuff? <laughs> because I wanted to see what else was out there. I, I was, I don't know if bored is the right word. I, I don't think I was overly bored with my own life, but I wanted to see what else was out there. I wanted to see the weird stuff and the wondrous stuff. And I think for many people, there is a solid sense of escapism. I look at my broken life and I want to know, is there something better? Can I escape to a world where I could fly on a dragon? Can I escape to a world where I can use the force and maybe life could be easier? Or even, you know, going to that Star Wars, is there a world where I could go where I'm still struggling, but my struggle at least seems to mean a whole lot more than it does here. Because at least in our culture so often, it is so easy to feel little. It is so easy to feel like what you do doesn't matter. You know, if I was lifted out, would anyone even notice? Whereas when I'm reading science fiction and fantasy, the characters matter. And as I'm reading from a point of view character, whether it's Luke Skywalker or uh, Hiccup in How to Train Your Dragon or whatever, suddenly I matter and this epic adventure matters and sure there's still struggle and still pain but in the end the good guys win and we seize on that and in that you get another reflection of the true story right that our lives do matter God said you were so important that I will pay any price for you and I don't have buyer's remorse and on top of that you are part of this huge struggle now that in the end I already won. We just got to get to the finish line. We already won. And so you get that reflection there and that desire for that reflection. And I think it's easier to see that in science fiction and fantasy. You go to uh, crime dramas. You go to CSI. That was a show I watched for a long time. And yeah, the good guys would often win most of the time. But it was harder to see the big epic story, I think. Sure. Well, so as a self-proclaimed geek yourself, right? Uh, would you say, <laughs> would you say that you see your geekiness reflected in your writing, even if you're not specifically writing about Star Wars or things like that? <laughs> I, I think my congregation would agree with that. Um, <laughs> that, that. It does show up in my sermons, certainly not every week, but I'll use examples. I remember um, my first congregation was mostly older folks. And I gave a sermon where the, the theme was inconceivable from um, Princess Bride. Yeah. And no one other than my wife had seen the movie in the congregation. And I quickly learned, okay, if I'm going to connect here, I need to find different ways to do it. Uh, 
I think it does show up and that that uh, again, that desire for this epic battle does show up. Um, I'm really excited in Lent. We get to preach through a series, uh, The Son of God Goes to War. And I haven't look, taken a close look at it yet, but even the title makes me go, oh, I'm excited for this. Because you get some of that epic battle and these things that that matter. Not that God's word doesn't matter. It always does. But sometimes it's easier to see. But yeah, it definitely shows up, even if it's just how I frame myself uh, looking at those battles and comparing myself to... Uh, often enough hiccup, less Luke Skywalker and more hiccup, but you know. <laughs> so looking back at, you know, these different types of fantasy and science fiction worlds, I remember in my middle school years that some of them were kind of like a taboo subject. Like, should we as Christians be reading these? You know, can we read about Harry Potter and magic? And I think that's a question a lot of people have is, is it okay to be so invested into books like that, but but be a strong Christian? Again, an awesome question and something that honestly I struggle with a little bit. Uh, One of my favorite books growing up was uh, Tom Swift, The DNA Disaster. And in that book, Tom Swift had created a gun that could devolve creatures. He could turn his house cat into a saber-toothed tiger. He could turn his friend into a caveman, that kind of thing. And I loved that book. It was one of my favorites. And I remember explaining it to my dad and saying, well, you know, in the universe that book happens in, evolution really happened. But I know that's not here. When is it okay to read other worlds, especially when those worlds and how they're set up fight against Christianity? Because there are definitely fictional worlds that do that. I think uh, Michael Crichton's The Lost World, his sequel to Jurassic Park. I remember reading that in, I think it came out when I was in seventh or eighth grade. And going, this entire book is nothing but an ad for evolution. <laughs> when when do you when do you turn away or when when is it okay? And the question, unfortunately, is not always necessarily cut and dry. We live in a broken world. If you're going to say you cannot read anything that involves sin, well, you can't even read the Bible. <laughs> you can't get through the book of Judges without a lot of sin going on, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and so you gotta ask, well. Um, What can I use my wisdom with? Where can I read to get something good out of this? And where do I have to say this is too much? And for different people, it's going to be different amounts. I remember uh, reading through the Chronicles of Narnia the first time, and I was pretty young then. And I remember one night praying to Aslan. Chronicles of Narnia, that's a Christian book, right? But now I'm not praying to Jesus, I'm praying to Aslan. I went too far. It's not that the book was bad. It's that my sinful nature glammed onto this picture of Jesus and said the picture is better than the real thing. And that was wrong of me. Um, And I don't remember what I did at that time because I realized what was going on. And I think I kept on reading, which was not the best decision at at that time. Uh, (laughs) How far can you go? Can you read the book and see the reflection of the true story? Can 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 you take in that entertainment and say, This is only entertainment. Um, How much do you take in? No, if I spend 20-some hours mainlining all of Star Wars, but I don't touch my Bible for two, three weeks, uh, probably not a good balance. Um, but, But have your thinking cap on. What is the message this story is sending me? Is this a God pleasing message? What can I get out of this message? What is the author trying to tell me? And all of that will help 
figure out what is good here. Uh, you brought up Harry Potter. What's the message of Harry Potter? Well, there's a lot of messages, right? Mm -hmm. uh, many of them are good, solid messages that some things are worth fighting against, that following the rules isn't always the right thing, that some rules, especially human rules, are actually not good. How, how do you struggle with showing respect? Are all people always bad or always good? These are good things to talk about and worthy to talk about. On the other hand, if I read Harry Potter and I'm suddenly jumping off the roof on a broomstick, maybe it's probably time to stop reading Harry Potter and get back into reality a little bit. Thankfully, most people can tell that difference. I think it was C.S. Lewis that might have been C.S. Lewis, might have been Tolkien, I don't remember. One of them said that so many adults want realistic fiction, but only children understand that the point of fiction is that you can do things you couldn't do in reality. Most kids actually can understand the difference better than we give them credit for. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Luke, you're actually working on a project right now that deals with this idea of God and, and geekiness going together. Can you uh, talk about that a little bit? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Last year, my goddaughter was being confirmed and she asked for a book. She wanted to know if you could be a fangirl and a Christian. She's a huge fan of Doctor Who and Harry Potter and Star Wars. And so I wrote a book for her called Geeky and Godly. And um, with her permission, I sent it to a publisher saying, hey, what do you think? And my publisher said, yes, we're going to publish that. It's going to be on Kickstarter, hopefully within a month. Um, we're not entirely sure on the timeline on that. And the book is, instead of taking a look at different movies, like saying, okay, what can we just talk about Star Wars or Harry Potter? What it does is it breaks down different tropes often used in science fiction and fantasy. For instance, aliens or um, going on a quest. These ideas that show up over and over and over again, no matter what book or movie you're taking in. And saying, what is the message being sent here? Can we use discretion? Can we use wisdom to figure out, is this good? And yeah, that hopefully will be on Kickstarter within a month. We're aiming to release in October, um, have everything printed and sent out. But uh, right now that's in my publisher's hands. Sure. And for our listeners, we'll keep you updated through our social media channels. As soon as that becomes available, make sure to check us out there. Cool. Thank you. Before we, we get going, is there any anything else that uh, you want to plug or any um, projects you're working on that we can let our listeners know about? Well, you've already heard about it here before, but the Bread for Beggars Festival, I'm looking forward to it. I'm planning to be there with my family. Just excited about that. So if you're not already excited for it, get excited for it and listen to some older podcasts here. You'll hear more about, more about it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today, Luke. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I, the pleasure's mine. That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. As Luke mentioned, be sure to head over to the Bread for Beggars Festival website and register today before it sells out. And we are hoping and expecting that the main portion of that festival will sell out. There is a free portion open on Friday night. If you want more information about that, be sure to listen to our last episode where we talked to Mark Parsons about the details of the Bread for Beggars Festival. And as always, if you have questions for us here on the podcast or people you'd like to hear from, feel free to reach out to us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com or on any social media platform at Wells Creatives. 
And we want to give a special shout out and thank you to our patrons on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash hearts and hands podcast. As they well know, we get bonus content out there quite a bit. We've got a bonus rant from Dan Jasperson from a few episodes ago, and as well as uncut episodes of some of these as well. So be sure to check that out. And if you're so inclined to give, that would help support this ministry for the years to come as well. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.